dear everyone. This is what expose with Tosi and Yanka Casey. I hope you have been blessed by the previous episodes. And I do hope that um, as you listen to this podcast, that it truly inspire something in your heart about spending time with God, um, understanding and meditating on scriptures. No matter how busy you are, I do implore you to try. Create some time that for that because you'll be amazed how much of inspiration you would get and how much of direction you would get from the Holy Spirit for your life. Today, I want to talk about something that is related to the last episode. Last episode, we looked at the heart of Judas. In that episode, I was talking about how little choices either make our heart stronger or they compromise the state of our hearts and make it difficult to stand in the days of temptation. I spoke about the fact that Judas had been stealing from the post and the very first time it crossed his heart to steal, he probably rationalized it and how even though all the while he was following Jesus, his heart was loyal to Mammon. Today I want to talk about, I want to look at the first temptation of Jesus and in a sense related to what we looked at the last time. I wrote this down some time ago. I had read that scripture many times. I think it was in Matthew 4. And I was reading it again that day. And the Holy Spirit just started showing me these different you know, dimensions or directions, so to say, from that scripture. You know, Jesus' first temptation released to bread said, Jesus was led of the Spirit to the wilderness, you know, to be tempted of the devil after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Let's go to that scripture so that we can read from there. I think it's Matthew 4. Matthew 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command those stones, these stones, become bread. There's something intriguing here. Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. It was the Holy Spirit that led him. Yet, in all of the prayers of Jesus, one of the prayers he taught us is, Do not lead us into temptation. This should be a discussion for another day. But I just, it, it's, it's just intriguing. If Jesus could be led by the Spirit to be tempted, as was clearly stated here, and yet when he taught us how to pray, another scripture says, do not lead us into temptation. What does that mean? How do we reconcile both? But that will be a podcast for another day. As I continue with what I'm looking at today, I'll read verse 3 again. Now when the tempter came to him, said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, this temptation was the easiest and the most logical temptation. Because Jesus had just finished fasting for 40 days. He was legitimately hungry. And perhaps, if you think about it, one could have reasoned it, you know, 
that when it was coming from the wilderness, before he gets to the city to buy bread, he was hungry and truly he has the power to turn the stones to bread. So what's the big deal in doing it? Right? One could have thought it would have been fine if he did it. But guess what? The easiest and the quickest way that the devil tempts us relates to where and how we get deliberate. That's the emphasis that the Holy Spirit was showing me from the scripture. Because it made sense. If he did it, it, it would have been easy to rationalize. And he was actually vulnerable because he was hungry. There was an opportunity. He, he had the power to turn those stones to bread. If he didn't have the power, the devil would not ask him to. So the devil was talking the vulnerability, the fact that he was hungry and he indeed could turn those stones to bread because he had the power. Let's bring it out to some of our day-to-day experiences and uh, relatable how the devil brings, you know, things our way because he can't see our vulnerability ripens when it comes together. Many times when we're tempted, it might be because we're vulnerable in a particular area, but we do not have the opportunity to do anything about it. That the temptation is not fully evolved or developed at that point, if I could use that word. But when you're vulnerable and there is an opportunity to do something about it, about that vulnerability. If you do something, again, that is contrary to God's standard, because of that vulnerability, then sin develops from that temptation. So let's say you're a CEO of a company, you've been working for this company, right? And there's, there's a project or a contract to be awarded. And in your company policies and rules, you know that the related party is not supposed to apply. But... You've been working for so many years, you're CEO, I mean, you're okay, but you barely could truly say that you have, you know, relative to your status, what people expect of you. You have something that is commensurate to that. So people tell you, so the temptation now, you know, nobody makes it to be totally salary. Is this salary you want to chop? I mean, people do these things. Just register a company, partner with one, let them submit a bid for the contract. You, you are on the inside now. You give them the contract. I mean, you collect your court. Every, everybody does this thing. Like all these people that you are saying that have big house seeds, they've worked 20 years in a the bank. They have out, out, you know, big house seeds, big things everywhere. Do you think his salary? You know, people, people, you two, you start thinking about it. You start thinking about it. You, you're like, you know what? There, there's no points that I'm be able to afford the house in Lekki one or, or in Ikoyi or, you know, I'll, I'll be able to just have a house abroad like many of my mates are already doing this thing maybe it's not even as exotic as having a house abroad like let me even have something for myself you're reading it you did it i have described it but the truth is it's happening every day everywhere in the context of nigeria and if, and i'm focusing on nigeria for this you see in companies you have a lot of people in procurement many of them christians they have indirect companies who are vendors to, to their companies against the policies because they are insiders, they are using unfair advantage. You see, you have marketing directors, marketing executives, they, you know, connive with ad agencies, they collect courts from, you know, help the company get the contract from inside and they collect the courts. 
So the process through which they collect, they get these things is not objective anymore, right? So they inflate it to the inside and they collect the cuts and their company is not aware, you know? So they will say, everybody submit a competitive bid. We want to do uh, this advert, my wash. At the end of the day, they know exactly who they are going to give it to. Most times, even the least competent. Salespeople, all sort of unethical delists, you know? Well, our education system, isn't it a shame? All sort of private centers, special centers, systemic malpractice. Even as low as junior, secondary exam, or even in common entrance. Fighters, you know, have schools everywhere and all sort of shortcuts to line their, their, their pockets, like a cartel. How many forest stations in Nigeria have the right calibration? How many? You go get fuel. You've paid for one liter of fuel. You probably have gotten 0.9, 0.8. If you are locked, if the filling station is not so greedy, maybe 0.95 for one liter. Then you pay for one liter and then you leave. I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. And the justification is very simple. Ah, I need something extra now. The street is hard. I need something extra. Plus those who are relatively okay, plus those who are not when I say relatively, okay, we're a CEO, we're a marketing director and all of those people. Plus those who may be feeling station attendants or whatever, everyone has a justification and it relates, it relates to a bread. Now, remember, Jesus could have justified changes to to bread. But what really is changes to to bread? What is, it, what is it? It is shortcut. That really is what that is. The devil was telling him, take this shortcut because you are hungry. Because he will still eventually get the bread. All he just needs come from the wilderness back to the city and go and get the bread. But the devil was giving him a proposition, shortcut versus delayed gratification. And it made sense because he was actually hungry, you know, to have been fasting for 40 days. It made sense. So some of the things that people may say we should do, some of these I've mentioned, they may actually make sense because you may have been working for so long and you know you probably are not at where you expect or you should be so it makes sense right but Jesus delayed gratification he took the higher road right you know I have mentioned these things to release to everyday people all of us as opposed to those in governments because those in governments are the ones we point to it's like flogging a dead lion you know we all know how you know about them you know we all know how deeply deeply corrupts many of them we criticize them the hound is very obvious you know they're like Matthew the tax collector everyone the Jews the Pharisees the days of Jesus they spit at him they deride him you know because they saw him as the quintessential sinner you can use that word meanwhile they all at their own sins, right? In one of the, you know, messages of Jesus, he was saying that before you remove the speck in another person's eyes, remove the log in yours, right? One of the biggest problems that we have in this country is just doing the right thing. That concept of righteousness that simply means doing the right thing. James 4.17, to him that knows what is good to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. In Luke 14 for Jesus was telling the Jews, he was saying, Oh, do you think that those Galileans that died, 
were worse sinners than you. Let's go there. Let me let me read. Let, let me read that part. Luke chapter 14. Actually, Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 from verse 2. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 whom the tower is Siloam fell and killed and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will also perish. Do you think the people in government are worse sinners than the rest of us, many of us in Nigeria, right? The sins of the politicians or those in government are not more than the rest of us. That's the truth. But we struggle to accept it. But it's the truth from the scriptures. We are a highly, chronically sinful and corrupt people. We are your highly, chronically unethical people. But it's funny that in the same vein, you know, in a very ironic context, we are also a very religious, intensely religious society. But it is righteousness that exalts a nation. It is righteousness that exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to your people. Sin is a disgrace. Another translation is a disgrace to your people. We are a disgrace to the relative to many other nations of the earth, relative to the potential that God has given to us. We are a disgrace as a collective because of our chronic, chronic sinful and unethical practices. You know, you hear things of the extent to which people have taken the acquisition of the wanting money, um, daily bread and stuff like that, and the kind of things that people do on the spectrum from the, what you say you think is not so bad, what you hear is so extreme, like what are they organ harvesting and ritualists and all of that, right? What we need to realize is that Nigeria is a sum of its components, but we cannot produce better politicians in Nigeria. It's not possible because they are us. They are the average of us. As a matter of fact, if you have a ruthless, unethical society, the people who will most likely emerge as their politicians or as their leaders will be the most ruthless and the most unethical. Why? Because being ruthless, being unethical, being selfish is the norm, is the way of life in the society. If people, parents are bribing schools to get their children, so that their children can have five credits. If white officials are, you know, if churches, if church leaders are diverting funds, where exactly do you want to find righteousness? If in academia, institutions, even if in, in judiciary, you can't find it, where exactly do you hope to find it, right? Just that concept of doing right. We are a reproach as a nation because of, of our part. We cannot produce better leaders or better politicians. Because they are the average of us. And as I was saying, if a nation or if a group, if the average of a group is a ruthless, unethical behavior, ruthless, corrupt behavior, if that's the average behavior of a group of people, the, those who will emerge to lead them would have to be more ruthless and more unethical for them to emerge to lead them. They have to be more cheats. They have to be worse cheats for them to be, emerge to lead them. It's not the other way. The outliers... The, I don't know, more than one percent or five percent would try against all odds to do right, to live right. You know, they would, they cannot be the ones that will emerge as the leaders 
because the average of the people we not even want them because the average is ruthless the average of the people most of the people are ruthless are unethical are shady so how will the tiny minority emerge and the importance of this message is for those who have a righteousness with God already a right standing with God a righteousness that is imputed that is given freely because you've we've accepted Jesus the righteousness that is credited upon us according to the book of Romans even knew no sin became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in him that first gift of righteousness that is given to us those of us blood washed redeemed by the blood of Jesus those of all have confessed and professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior if your righteousness if our righteousness now our right doing after the righteousness that is imputed and given to us now our right doing now the outworking of that right doing like how James 4:17 said knowing what to good to do and doing it because knowing the good to do and not doing it then to you it is sin because now you know because the first gift of righteousness has been given to us to us to those I lay this charge. I lay this this charge that it is righteousness that exalts a nation. After that gift of righteousness, the outworking of that righteousness, we are the hope. We are the hope. Those who just know the law, whose mouth is close to God, but whose heart are far from God, needs to exceed them. Those who have a head knowledge of what right is, our righteousness needs to exceed them. If our righteousness indeed shines forth, if it exceeds those. Of the rest, we can lift this nation because the sum of our parts will be greater than our individual parts. We can lift this nation because there are not two ways about it. It is righteousness that exalts a nation. May God help us as we think about these things. Let us always remember the first temptation of Jesus. It may be easy to justify cutting corners. We may legitimately be in need or be hungry like Jesus was. And it may actually make sense. It may actually make sense because we say it's for our daily bread for sustenance. But there's only the higher road. I am not saying this as one who has, you know, arrived just like Paul said, that, you know, I strive for the price of the higher calling because with flesh we can do nothing because it's not easy. But his grace is sufficient. And that grace that is sufficient for us will help us to see us true. Thank you, everyone. I do hope you have been blessed by this message, by this podcast. So next time when we look at another scripture again, remain blessed. Shalom.